This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bollet, as always. Christian, I just want to double-check something. The trade deadline's on Friday, right? And not Correct. the last several days? I'm Correct. I'm making sure I have that right. It's on Friday, right? Yeah, yeah it is on Friday. Which, uh, I don't think the <laughs> NHL got the memo for that, because since well, hey, our to, last episode... To, to be fair, it is a leap year, so maybe they just got the days mixed up, and yeah. it's they're thinking it's one day earlier. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's fair. But even still, <laughs> since the last episode, we're not at the deadline yet, but there's been like 30 trades and most of the league w- looks pretty different by now. We'll probably talk about most of them, but most important one to us, the Avalanche acquire Lars Eller from the Washington Capitals for a 2025 second round pick. They get their center, their bottom six guy, Little bits of discussion, I think, surrounding this trade. Second round pick, maybe a bit much for Lars Eller, but it's in 2025. You don't really care too much about that. My question really lies with how does Lars Eller fit with this team? And Christian, you can go first. Um, Before we go any farther, uh, from the postgame, Josh Manson tweaks something late. Uh, Uh, Eric Bednar says he has no update on what that's going to be. It's been like a month, man. I know. I know. I'm sorry to break that news, but I just saw that tweet from Evan. So um, that's not good. That stinks. Um, But getting back to the Lars Eller part, uh, it's very funny that uh, we joked about two trades that the Avs would make this year. uh, And both times we were right. I think it was on an episode like maybe two weeks ago. It's like the Avs are going to get Lars Eller. And you said, I pray to God they don't. (laughs) here we are uh it's wednesday march 1st thursday for you um and lars eller is a member of the Colorado avalanche very funny um that when you sent me that text today i literally laughed and my chef looked at me he goes what are you laughing about it's like oh a trade the apps just made it's very fucking funny um so do i think it's a little bit high reward like high return for lars eller yeah I mean, a second round pick is nothing to throw around. I, I think you could have gotten definitely a better player, but we'll see. I mean, I think the the whole reason why Lars Eller is viewed kind of negatively from us is you've watched Lars Eller all year and you kind of know what you've seen from Lars Eller and it's maybe not going to be the best for the Avs. But if there's one thing I've learned uh, in this time that we've been doing the podcast and the time we've been uh, watching the abs, it's trust Joe Sackick, trust jo- uh, Chris McFarland. They they know what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, and that's always the safest bet was if you're not sure about something the abs are doing, it's probably a safe bet to think that they know what they're doing. But like you said, I watch a fair number of Capitals games as I'm recording this. I am watching a Capitals game. Right now, I've watched Lars Eller a lot since the uh, since the Caps acquired him in 2017 from the Montreal Canadiens for two second round picks. And I got to say, I fucking love Lars Eller. Lars Eller's awesome. He's an amazing human being. And for most of his career in Washington has been the absolute model of consistency year over year, game by game, and f- will always hold a special place in my heart for scoring one of the most important goals of my lifetime that brought Washington their first Stanley Cup in 2018, that huge goal against Vegas in Game 5, not to mention the overtime goal he scored in Game 3 against Columbus that stopped us from going down 3-0 in the first round. Lars Eller has that clutch gene, but 
in the last two seasons, his play has taken a dip. And offensively, it's just no longer there for him. The Avalanche are acquiring Lars Eller for his defense and specifically his penalty killing, where the Avalanche have been a little worse than mediocre, you'd say. They're 18th in the penalty kill in the league right now. And that's that's where Lars Eller shines, is on the penalty kill. You do have to note that Lars Eller, since the turn of the new year, has scored one point and has not scored a goal since late December against the New York Rangers. His offensive threat really does not exist all that much. And in Washington, this is not entirely Lars Eller's fault. There's always a guy that just for some reason, everyone piles onto like no tomorrow. It's someone different every year. Last year was Carl Hagelin. And this year it's been Lars Eller. He has not had a very strong season in Washington. His He's made some questionable decisions with the puck at times and has not been able to finish some pretty wide open scoring chances at times. But I think the Avalanche are acquiring a decent role here if they play him the right way. I think if you're acquiring Lars Eller to be your third line center every single night and maybe even to score every now and again, I think you're setting yourself up to be a little disappointed. I like him on that fourth line if you stick him with a guy like Logan O'Connor or Cagliano or Nieto. I actually think that's a very solid checking line because Lars Eller does his best work on the boards, digging out some pucks and causing disruption. That's what he does best. It's what he does, but do you think he could potentially fill in that role we saw Darren Helm do last year? And I know Darren Helm's potentially going to return, but what are you going to get from an older Darren Helm who's played four games this year? Are you really going to expect him to be the player he was last year, which was a very impactful player? I think more that's what they're expecting of him is to fill that Darren Helm role. Um, And then if you get Darren Helm back, you're looking pretty solid in your bottom six. Yeah, I think you can move Helm to the wing without too much issue. Helm can play anywhere in your bottom six, and I don't think you think too much about it. Lars Eller is a pure and pure center. You're not moving him to the wings. Wherever he is in the lineup, he's going to be playing right down the middle. And you you can move Helm to the, the left or the right really without too much issue. And plus... I mean, I've seen that brought up. I was like, well, what do you do with Darren Helm? I don't know, but it's a damn good problem to have. It is. It's a it's a really good problem to have. But I, I think what the Avs did with this move is they bought some insurance with Darren Helm because you just don't know with a guy his age. Um, this seems to be just a nagging injury that has just not healed the right way. Um, so I think that's what the Avs were going for here. It's a little high, but I think that's what the market's kind of shown us this year is that you have to pay what may seem like an absurd price to get the player you want. And even it's then, not like, like last year where you can trade yeah. a seventh round pick for Andrew Cogliano. Yeah. And even then, like, I don't even know if it's absurd again. I really don't care about mm-hmm. that draft pick all that much. And it's been a conversation since the Tanner Janot trade, like how valuable is a draft pick really, especially like a 2025 second round pick where you are probably pretty lucky if that guy's playing in the NHL in 2028 at that point. So I really don't care about the pick. I think it could have been better used, maybe spent on a more impactful player, because I don't know how much Lars Eller really moves that needle. But if you somehow find a way to unlock the Lars Eller that was in Washington from 2017 to 2021, then you absolutely knock this one out of the park. Because Lars Eller from that time on was very good and very consistent. He kicked ass, man. (laughs) He kicked ass. Like I had never had any complaints about Lars Eller, but over the last two years, I've had some concerns about his pace. He slowed down a little bit. And like I said, his offensive ability was never really like anything to write home about, but he was always a consistent 15 goals a year guy, pretty respectable 10% shooting percentages and everything. When that starts to dry up, though, there's not a lot left. And he still played good defense in his own end. The Caps had a lot of use for him on the PK, which, like I said, is what he's going to be used for the most in Colorado. And you dig into a lot of his numbers, and you can really see that a lot of that is backed up, that he's been a solid player throughout his career, 
that is probably now that he's 33 years old, starting to take a little bit of an age-related dip, which is to be expected again. So my hesitation with this trade, I, I was getting cooked on Twitter for this earlier. So <laughs> I, I, I very much want to clarify, I do not care about that draft pick. It's Lars Eller has taken a step back, and I've watched a lot of games of him this season, and I was very frustrated with a lot of his performances. So it, I went through a lot of emotions from this trade. It's like, wow, the Caps got a second. The Avs gave up a second, and now they have Lars Eller, who I've been really frustrated with. But Joe Sackick and, and McFarland know what they're doing, so they wouldn't make a trade, so they're clearly seeing something that I'm not. But I still have watched Lars Eller, been frustrated with him, and it didn't help that in this Devils game that I spent like nine hours talking myself into this and his first shift, yeah. there's a turnover that ends up in the back of the net, which I will chalk up to miscommunication. But I like the move. I think it's fine. I think as long as you're playing him in the right role and not expecting him to jump in on that third line and be like, I've seen people compare this to Lekkonen. I don't see that at all. This, no. is, this is this is a more defensive version of Cogliano. If you want to make a comparison to any deadline move the Avs have made recently, I think he'll be useful here. I don't know if he's going to be an absolute slam dunk, but he does fit that bottom six and fixes an issue on the penalty kill. The Avs right. penalty kill is just okay. And Lars Eller, at very least, if nothing else, can make that better. Can make it better. I'm going to look at this in the positive way. Every trade the Avs have made with the Capitals has worked out well for the Avalanche. It's so, so. great to be a fan of both of these teams <laughs> yeah. because they're just a farm system for each other. Yeah. Like the Caps produce great players for the Avs, and uh, the Avs give the Caps cap relief, and that's what they do best. Yeah, so they, these guys are just so buddy buddy. It's yeah, it's amazing. It's great. So I'm going to take the positive way, but I agree with you. I mean, he, he's going to fill that bottom six role. Um, I don't think the Avs are done with their trade picks. Uh, I think they're going to move someone else. Um, and we'll talk about the games coming up here, but this is this is our last episode before the trade deadline. So we're going to get the trade deadline talk out of the way first. Um, I threw this out to you before we started recording, and this is probably my like hottest take and uh-huh. craziest take. I wouldn't even say it's hot. It's crazy. But I don't really rule out the possibility that the Avs make a run for Elias Lindholm of the Calgary Flames. I really don't like the flames. I think me and you both agree they could make the playoffs, but that team is so far away from winning a championship. It's crazy. And they're going to need to offload some assets because they have a lot of guys. I don't think it happens, but the abs would not be doing their due diligence if they did not at least see if he was willing, if the flames were willing to move Elias Lindholm. Yeah, I mean, if you if again, I've probably said this a hundred times on the <laughs> show over the years. If you can find a way to get Elias Lindholm, I do not care what the price is. Send every first round pick you have for the next five years for all I care, because Lindholm would be such an incredible av. The Flames are not trading him right now, but he still has another year on that contract at under. Five million dollars. That's what I'm saying, man. So unbelievably absurd that that guy does not make five million dollars at the very least. But the Flames, they're going to delude themselves into thinking that they still have a chance at making the playoffs, which they technically do. But they do. They're with their goaltending. I just simply don't see that happening. The earliest that could happen is the off season, and if the Flames flame out again, <laughs> then <laughs> next season, then. If they're really serious about getting assets, you go get Elias Lindholm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I like I said, that is the craziest idea. Um, but I think the Avs would not be doing their due diligence if they could not find a way to get that guy. Um, I agree with you. I think that's an off-season move if that even happens. Um, but the more realistic one that I think both of us, and I say realistic because I think there's more of a chance of it happening. If the Avs can get Nick Schmaltz away from the Arizona Coyotes. You are, you are just speaking my language. I know, I know. But I think that one's more realistic because Schmaltz really doesn't fit the Coyotes timeline right now. He doesn't. So would you be willing to move a first round pick and a prospect for him? Absolutely. I, I trade two firsts for Nick yeah. Schmaltz and the prospect. That, that guy on that contract coming in as the second line center here, who gives a shit about the draft at that point? Go right. Right. 
And, and I, I agree that's far more realistic because his name's out there. The, it coyotes, is. the Coyotes are in no rush to do it, but as we saw with the Chikrin trade, maybe you just got to wait them out a little bit and they'll drop that price. But if Nick Schmaltz is actually available, I have tweeted about this a little bit, go get him. I, I don't care about the price. Trade a Louse and trade two first. Go get that guy. He yeah. is him, and he would be incredible on this team. He's got three years after this. So I'm saying he doesn't really fit the Coyotes' timeline. So if you can snag him, um, I think that'd be great. And the Coyotes and the Avs have shown that they're willing to do business with each other. Uh, and I don't know. I, I I think that's a more realistic option. I just don't like. What are your? Do you think if the Avs don't make a move, another move, are they kind of wasting away this trade deadline? I really don't think. I mean, I really think this team, as it's constructed, is good enough. If they were in the East, my tune is completely changed. Agreed. But. The biggest move made in the West right now is the Oilers going out and getting Ekholm. I do think that the Avs are a team that has not been healthy all season, and they're going to eventually get Gabe Landeskog back, and Kale McCarr has missed most of February. They're going to get those guys back, and I agree. I don't think they're done, but I don't think – like, if they don't make another big move, like, I don't see it as like, oh, they they wasted – this right like this this team as it's constructed right now can very easily go to the stanley cup final yeah, i'm we've shown in the past month and a half that this team is capable of right winning a lot of games you know and we've ta- and we've talked about like though this the need at second line center i know they lost tonight but jt comfer again had another amazing game and what has just been a string of amazing games for jt comfer which really makes me think that a trade like Lars Eller might be the only move that they make down the middle. I agree. It's going to be interesting. I think a lot of Avs fans would be upset if they didn't make a move, but I think we've kind of talked about this in previous episodes where we've talked about the trade deadline. The Avs have really nothing to move. Like, unless you're willing to move a first, they really have nothing. And which you should be. Like You should be. Next year's first, I'm way more willing to give up just because of how deep this draft is, but... At the end of the day, we've seen that the league has all the stuff. Ever since Julian Breezeblos said that draft picks are cringe, everyone's just decided, like, yeah, he's right, and just trading picks like no one's business the last right. couple of days. But I, if you find, again, it's like McFarland said, if it makes sense, we'll do sure, it. Go for it. Yeah. And I mean, they still have some salary cap to play with because I think the caps retained, what, 31% of Eller's contract? Yeah, not as much as I thought they would. But again, the, the Avs know the math better than I do. I think it was 31%, which brings Eller to about, there's been so many trades today. It's not even on like the cap friendly <laughs> trade thing right now. They retained 31%, which is a little over a million dollars, which brings Eller to two million to a little under two and a half. Okay. Is, yeah. That's fair. But yeah, I mean, I we're going to see. I don't think there's going to be um, – I don't think this is the Avs' last move, but I think really the players that I would – like I want this deadline would be Nick Schmaltz or Elias Lindholm, and even then, like that seems very out of like the realm of possibilities right now. I mean, Schmaltz, um, Schmaltz's name is at least out there. Yeah. And the Coyotes are very much open for business right now. You're going to have to blow them away with an offer. Right now, because again, no rush to trade Nick Schmaltz whatsoever. Lindholm, the Flames are still in the race. I think the move is going to be probably on the back end, especially now that Manson has apparently been dinged up. Dinged again. up. Yeah, trade in England kind of sucks now. Yeah, I mean, you got Jack Johnson, who's been fine. We'll talk about yeah. Jack Johnson and everything. He's been fine. And I think with how beat up the defense has been, I think you just make one more move. There's a name that the abs are in on that i will admit outright concerns me and that's john klingberg who is without without exaggerate like we talked about jack johnson's having a bad defensive season the defensive effort that john klingberg is putting out there right now is without exaggeration one of the worst all time in at least in the modern era of nhl john klingberg is just might as well be a forward right now for the ducks and it's I genuinely don't know how he would fit the Av system, and I don't know how his name keeps getting brought up with us. So I would like to be the first to welcome John Klingberg to the Colorado <laughs> yeah. because I have struck out on the like, yep. it, not even just like oh, the Avs shouldn't get this guy. I'm like, 
I haven't won a bet in like three weeks. Like I have just been so cold on everything I do. Yeah. Let's just, cause we don't want that to happen. I, I, oh, yeah, we do not watch John Klingberg. Um, but, oh, oh. I would rather take Tyson Berry over John Klingberg. I love Tyson Berry. I'd, yeah. love, I'd love to have him back now that he's a Nashville predator. I feel like right. I'm going to bring up. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. We do not want John Klingberg. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. NBA fans, it's time to bring back the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every day. All you have to do, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place in a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. I'm not going to pretend to be a basketball guy, but those Denver Nuggets... They're looking like some free money right now. If you want to get in on the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, you can download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. Now, Back to the episode. We'll see. It's going to be a great. I I don't really know how much crazier it can get in these next two days because it's been crazy. Le- like I I want to say that and like genuinely, what is left to do before the John Klingberg? Yeah, like Klingberg. <laughs> I guess like there's a couple of more guys on the caps that have to get moved. But like we're talking like who's the prize right now? Is it JVR? Probably. Like, Kevin Hayes, like- maybe. Ket Hayes, even then, like he's not expiring. Like Chikrin's gone. Horvat's been gone for over a month. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. But it, I, I don't know. This has been the craziest NHL trade deadline. It's not even the deadline. Yeah. So, I, I honestly, I like it more this way, where it's just, it's just a drip feed of trades over the course of like two weeks. I like that way more than just you get like sixty trades all on the same day. And you well, because they all get time to marinate. Yeah. Seems like. Yeah. So. It's, it's, I feel like I can't even be away from my phones. I sound like such such an American right now. It's like I can't be away from my phone. I don't have a problem. I can stop whenever I want. But I feel like every time I look away from my phone, there's another trade. Yeah, I picked a bet. I I didn't pick this time. But at work, we opened a new restaurant today. And I've been in meetings just for countless hours. And every time I come out of a meeting, there's just more hockey trades to go over. And I'm like, you missed like 10 trades. I know. It's brutal, man, but got to pay the bills. I mean, the 75K we get an episode from here is great, but, man, it's brutal. You're only getting 75? Yeah, me to 100. I know. You get the producer credits, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's – I've missed a lot, but I I don't really know how much else can happen, but I say that now, and by the time this episode releases, there'll probably be five more fucking trades to talk about. Jonathan Quick got traded. Yeah. there was no rumors about that. And all of a sudden at midnight, it was just like, oh, Jonathan Quick's now a blue jet. Like, what what are you talking about? Yeah. Jonathan Quick just got traded. They did him dirty, bro. They did him so I I think it's so funny that there's a statue to Dustin Brown inside of the arena and they traded Jonathan Quick at midnight to the blue jackets. The guy and you they made him fly back home with them on the team plate. Yeah. That's fucking like, brutal. Like you could argue like that's the guy who should have the statue for those two cups. Yeah. Considering he had like the greatest playoff goaltending performance in history for the first one where he lost four games as an yeah. eight seed. It's crazy, man. I mean, that's I like the move for the for the Kings, but also at the same time, you did your greatest one of your greatest players of all time the dirtiest way possible. <laughs> like the absolute dirtiest way possible. Um so that was crazy. You had Patrick Kane get moved to the Rangers in the most predictable move of all time. Um, I'm interested to see what the Rangers do. I, I I still think that after what we saw from the Devils tonight, I think I like the Devils more than I like the Rangers. Um, it just goes back and forth. Yeah. I was like, some nights I like the Rangers, some nights I like the Devils. Like, that's just going to be an amazing series. I think I, be- lean, I lean Rangers because of goaltending. 
Yeah. And now Tarasenko and Kane and blah, blah, blah. But I just, just want to run through all these trades before we go down a rabbit hole of individually yeah. talking about all of them. So I'm just going to list everything that has happened since the last episode because Jesus. Yeah. So Tanner Janot, I mentioned that Tanner Janot is probably going to end up in Tampa, like right as we stop recording. Did not expect Cal Foot 2025 first, 2024 second, 2023 third, 2023 fourth for a guy with like six goals this season, if that even. And the Leafs get Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty from the Blackhawks. Yessi Poyarvi goes to the Hurricanes. Would love to see the abs end up with that one. I think that's going to be something that most teams wonder how we let the Hurricanes get away with that in a few years. Uh, Marcus Johansson ends up on the wild. I did not sign up for my team trading (laughs) players to teams I don't like. This is bullshit. I hate it. And then the Caps turn around and trade Eric Gustafson. And the first they got in the Orlov trade for Rasmus Sandin, which I think is a tidy bit of work from Brian McCullen and the Leafs. Trade Pierre Engvall to the Islanders and get Luke Shen from the Canucks for both a third-round pick. Mateus Ekholm, like I mentioned, goes to the Edmonton Oilers for Tyson Berry, Reed Schaefer, and a first-round pick. Gus Nyquist goes to the Blue Jackets. We'll see if he even plays before the playoffs. And then the the Patrick Kane trade that we waited. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Where'd Gus Nyquist go? The, to the Wild. Oh, you said Blue Jackets. Well, he was there. Now he's not. <laughs> I, my my mouth just moves faster than my voice. I swear to God. It's probably not a great skill to have on a podcast. But anyway, <laughs> Patrick Kane goes to the Rangers. The Blackhawks don't get much because that's the only place he would go. And Jonathan Quick, Blue Jacket, as the Kings get Jonas Corposalo and Vlad Gavrikov for a conditional first and a third. Lars Eller, obviously now a member of the Colorado Avalanche for a 2025 second. This is a weird one. The Canucks get Philip Hironik and trade the first they got in the Horvat trade and the second, both in this year's draft. Now, we've talked about draft picks don't matter. I feel like that one does a little bit, considering that's probably going to be a pretty decent pick. And I don't think the Canucks need Hironik right now. Are you going to rebuild or what, guys? Come on here. They're... We give the Avs shit for that trade for Eller, but at least we're not the Canucks. <laughs> yeah, like at least we handle our picks better than that. Yeah. But just to quickly run through the rest of these, Shane Gostasbear goes to Carolina for a third in 2026. I, I was sure Gostasbear was going to get more than that. but And then Jacob Chikrin goes to the Ottawa Senators for a 2023 first, a 2024 second, and a 2026 second. All that for not much of a return at all year and a half a month sat out for trade related purposes and armstrong panics panics at the last second yeah i mean it's gonna be a top 20 pick but still i mean we were expecting a uh matt duchene type return for yeah, jacob like two first round picks a really decent prospect i mean that's what they've been asking for for a year yeah. and a half and then they they panic because they waited too long and they're like, okay, fine, take him, even though he still has two more years after this. So not going to pretend I understand that. Bluger goes to the Golden Knights from the Penguins. Vlad Nemesnikov gets dumped off at Tampa from Michael Amisimov. And Mikel Granlund goes to the Penguins in a move that where I seriously wonder if Penguins fans are going to kick down Ron Hextall's door and drag him into the street. They are so sick of this guy running this team. Well, at least the Caps they're doing that soft, like that quick, like just retool, not a rebuild, but a retool that what the penguins are doing makes absolutely no sense. Like the penguins are not a Stanley cup caliber team. They and just aren't. They, they waved Kasperi Kapanen and Brock McGinn, and they waved all these guys that have been wasting away and been horrible on their bottom six all season and turn around and go get Mikel Granlund who has two more years after this at $5 million and he has not been very good this season. No, he's been bad. I just don't understand what they're doing. And I'm thoroughly enjoying it because I have waited a long time for something like this to happen to the Penguins. But they just genuinely have no idea what's going on. Ron Hextall is doing a horrible job with that team. And that's just what's happened in the last 48 hours. We still have all of tomorrow or today when this episode comes out where there's going to be a ton of stuff that happens. And then the actual trade deadline day itself where all of the people 
on Sportsnet are just going to talk about something for, for six, six hours. hours. Yeah. 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 It's going to be, it's been a crazy, crazy week and a half. Um, all those moves are great. And like you said, the biggest trades in the Western conference have been uh, Matias Ekholm and uh, Jonathan Quick. Like those have been the biggest trades to get Corpusalo and I almost said Kulikov, but that's the wrong guy. Well, you, uh, well, you know what you're saying. Before, yeah. Before the words leave your mouth. So you right. credit other. I sometimes do. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a very boring Friday. I hope. Well, I don't hope. I hope it's more chaos, but we'll have to wait and see. But I, I, I don't I, think the apps are done. I think they're going to get one more player. I just pray to God. It's not John Klingberg. Yeah, like I, I really do give my trust to the front office and everything, and I think they're just doing their due diligence on whatever they can. I really don't know how John Klingberg would fit in here, and he would not. That's how. Yeah, so I'm gonna clip this, and by the time Friday comes around and John Klingberg comes here at half retained, we can put this up and have everyone call us stupid. Not that they, yeah, not that they need much of an excuse. No, they don't need much of an excuse. But let's talk about some actual games uh, because there were two hockey games played since we last uh, since we last talked to you guys. Avs beat the Vegas Golden Knights three nothing, and then in a game against the New Jersey Devils, where flat out they they weren't good in the first period, uh, they lose seven to five. Um, if you're expecting us to come on here and rip the Avs about this loss to the Devils, I hate to break it to you, we're just not going to. Um, because like you so astutely called on the last episode, you thought this was a thought this was a loss because you do eventually have to lose. You can't win them all. Um, that happened in this Devils game. Uh, and I know everyone's going to quickly blame Eustace Annan for this game. And against the Devils, I agree he wasn't great, but you're also asking your third string goalie to go beat one of the best teams in the league while your defense in front of you is absolute dog shit. Uh, I think that's a tall task to ask yeah. of a rookie goaltender. I think it's both fair to say that the avalanche would have won this game with Alex Georgiev and net, but it also was not entirely Ananin's fault because no. those are not the kind of plays you should be making with your young goalie in net and, this is a, a rare one where I think everyone kind of agrees, like, why was he playing in this game against the Devils? Because this just does not seem like the kind of game you want to be putting Adonin in at this point in his career against such a prolific offensive team. Dude, the Devils fucking rule. Like, they're, that team is fun to watch. They are electric. And they're not going to win a cup, I don't think, this season. They the Avalanche very much almost ended up tying this game and almost ended up winning it. But the Devils are a very electric team, but this game got out of hand real early. The Devils were up three to nothing. It almost seemed like before you could blink the first shot on goal. Once again, goes in the net, just this time was the other team doing it, which stinks. Palat gets his seventh of the season, 67 seconds into the game. First shot on net beats Onanen. And it was just, unfortunate it seemed like this was a, a rough one i think to put him in for you have two days off before dallas i get you don't want to run Georg into the ground and i don't hate the decision to start Ananin, but the devils are a really tough team to to throw him in there against especially if the abs are, i think we're kind of on a little bit of a emotional dump just be all from the last several games they've played have been so meaningful and, and then the one you play on Saturday is another big, meaningful game. Yes. This game in, on on a Wednesday just kind of seems meh. Right. You know, it's an Eastern Conference team. Like, yeah, it's New Jersey who's really good. But it's a game that if you lose, it's not a four-point game like the last, like, eight right. have been. You know, you can lose it, and it's not the end of the world. And I feel like that's kind of the attitude that the Avs came out with pretty early because it, it was not a good first period. There's, there's, no, it was there's the worst no period way. they've played in a long time. Yeah, there's no way to window dress it. The Avs came out flat 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 and they left Annan out to dry i mean do i do i think Annan could have made a couple saves yeah but yeah. he's he's a fucking rookie goalie i'm not expecting all this crazy shit from him so um the abs were just terrible in that first period like it, it could have been a lot worse than three nothing it really could have been it almost, like, was. It almost was i mean 
That, that first one, Lars Eller makes a mistake, turns the puck over, and then can't make a save. The second one, and then looks like he makes the save. I didn't love the challenge from the abs. I thought that was just kind of a uh, fuck it, let's see what happens challenge. Uh, and it results in a goal and then a power play. Luckily, the Devils didn't score on that power play. And then the third one was just a beautiful passing play. Like that play was bad. Like that's a play the abs make usually. And it's just a wide open net for Thomas Tatar. Three nothing. Luckily, Nathan McKinnon gets one very late in the first period to make it three one. And you're thinking maybe, maybe, maybe the abs have a chance in this game. It's something, um, to, something to work with. Something to work with. And it, it like you said, man, I mean, it, it, it just, it, I think if they play that first period a little bit differently, I also think the Devils really put, took their foot off the gas, like with like five minutes left in the second period and just went into their shell. Um, I think this game goes a little bit differently, but I really think it was a um, a multitude of unfortunate events that caused this game to get out of hand early so fast. Yeah, and I couldn't watch a ton of the first period because I was at work, but I also do want to mention that I could not watch this game on ESPN+, <laughs> Plus because for some reason or another, they have just decided that I live in New York for some reason, and I am blacked out from watching all New York games. I've mentioned this before, but now it's really starting to get in the way because, you know, this is my job. I have to watch the team and I have to talk about them. So it'd be helpful if I can watch the games. And again, I could not watch this game because for some reason, ESPN plus horrible service that it is <laughs> decides that like, no, you live in New York. You can't watch the Rangers. You cannot watch the Islanders and you cannot watch the Devils. You can watch them on your phone under the same account, same connection, same Wi-Fi, but you can't watch them on any of your screens. You can't watch them on your laptop or anything like that. So that was yeah. great. That really pissed me off because I have to figure out how to, to tweet and watch the game on the little corner on the top of my phone at the same time, which again, ESPN plus what, what are we doing here with this? Yeah. And they've also never answered me as to why this is a thing. They just be like, well, have you, have you unplugged your Wi-Fi?" at that <laughs> point? I just hang up. Yeah. Sounds about right. Uh, other bad news just popped up. Uh, Nick Schmaltz got hurt in the game tonight. Will not return. I, good news, honestly, because he yeah. fits perfectly. Fits in perfectly. So all that talk about Nick Schmaltz. We, we can throw it out the window. He's practicing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, ESPN Plus, I mean, I'm lucky I don't have any of that. Honestly, Fubo TV getting altitude was changed my life, honestly. So I've really enjoyed that. But, yeah, ESPN Plus, not the greatest. But what app is worse, you may ask? TNT. The TNT app is by far the worst app. Worst app to watch hockey on. So I've never watched a game on the TNT app, and I never will. Yeah, don't. It's terrible. Um. So, yeah, we go into the second period of this game, and Dougie Hamilton scores just a beauty of a goal. Like, that was just a great goal uh, to make it 4-1. Um, and then all of a sudden, the Avs just fucking woke up. Well, uh, they, not quite. They still not quite. They had to go down 5-1 first. Yeah, they had to go down 5-1 first, but holy shit. Like, they fucking woke the fuck up, and they scored. Uh, Mika Ranton gets a flexion, make it 5-2. Shortly after that, Nathan McKinnon scores after Lekin hits supposed to make it 5-3. JT Comfer on a two-on-one scores to make it 5-4. And you, I don't know about you, but I was like, this is just inevitable that we're going to come back and win this game. Like, it just had that feel. Um, and then Ryan Graves makes a good play, like a, a pretty solid play. It was a little bit of luck, but that's what happens in hockey sometimes. And makes it 6-4. I, you could feel the wind get let out of their sails a little bit. Yeah, that, that goal really did change things and Ananen did play so you do have to talk about it the Avs needed a save from Ananen to keep them in this game they couldn't get it and it's unfortunate because if that one gets saved Nachushkin ends up tying the game in the third period if he saves one of the ones before that we're not at this point where we need to come back from a four goal deficit but again rookie goal you don't want to go in too hard on him yeah well, and you tweeted that out. Like, I get there's emotions in a game, but giving him the uh, yeah, the, the gentleman's Bronx, cheer, yeah, yeah. the Bronx cheer, really, the, the, come yeah. on, yeah, like it, it, it's a rookie goalie, guys. Like, you should have known when he started that like this game could get out of hand. Um, and yeah, he let in that six one, which was a backbreaker, but 
I still don't think the kid played terrible. I thought he was left out to dry a fuck ton in this game. Yeah, I mean, um, we, we, I mean, you have players like Devon Taves turning the puck over. That just never fucking happens. Yeah, and we've seen that on and inside to side really could use some work. There's definitely there were bad plays that Georgiev does save just because he's much faster on his feet and able to cover his posts more effectively. But this was just a bad game for Ananen to be playing in against the Devils. But the Avs, they gave him a shot. He couldn't give him a save. It's 6-4 to four going into the second period. But less than 90 seconds in, Balnachushkin, like I mentioned earlier, makes it 6-5. You got an entire period to get one goal. And the Devils switch goalies. They take out Vitek Vanacek and put in Schmid, who makes 12 saves the rest of the game, which... He made 12? We got 12 shots in that third period? Yeah, I mean, the Avs played well down the stretch. I mean, they def- they definitely played well, but they just couldn't finish the job, and getting a fresh goalie in, a guy who stopped pucks, turned out to be the difference. Yeah, turned out to be the difference. I, I think that was not expected at all, but I did not realize the Avs even had 12 shots, because that... For as exciting as this game was, the third period after the Natushkin goal, this game really just got boring as fuck. <laughs> like, yeah, there were a couple chances for the Abs, um, and it just it just didn't happen for them to get that tying goal. Uh, and here's the thing: like, I'm not big on moral victories. I'm just not. When you're a team as good as the Abs, moral victories don't really mean that much. But they could easily fold it down five one and just said, "Hey, we got our third string goalie in." Not much more to play for. They battled. They battled their ass off. And it just, they came up just short, just short. So I'm not going to look at this game as like a huge step back for this team. I think you just look at it as a, like, if Georgiev plays in this game, they win this game. Yeah. I mean, they were definitely playing well enough to outscore their problems. They scored five in this game. If you put Georgiev in, you probably end up winning this game five to three, maybe five to four, even, even if Georgiev has a bad night. And it was just a sloppy game from the Avs, a game that if they were playing a team like Vegas, you know, as we saw, they don't make a lot of those mistakes because they're into the game and they're invested. But that just simply was not the case tonight. And the Devils are ruthless, especially when you have a guy like Dawson Mercer, who's scored for seven straight games. It had four points point. tonight. Yeah, he had four points tonight. You saw a guy like Tatar pick up three points tonight as well. And they did their best. They definitely made it a real comeback attempt with those three straight goals. But that you can't win them all. It's like I was thinking coming into this game. is like you do have to lose eventually. You know, right. it snaps a six-game winning streak for the Avs. And I will say, if they beat Dallas, who gives a shit about this game? Yeah. Who cares? I think that's everyone's mentality. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our new sponsors at Raycon. This is the time of year everyone's making New Year's resolutions, talking about big changes. But most of the time, these are pretty unrealistic. And even the smallest changes can contribute to these habits. And I've found you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase for even the smallest things that can be a part of these big changes. For me, that has been my Raycon headphones. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. For me personally, my New Year's resolution has been running. My old headphones are staticky. They ran out of battery too easily. Ever since I switched, Raycons have fixed my routines and made them so much easier. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that'll last all night, Raycon has you covered. And these are half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't even have to choose. You can get a pair of headphones and a spare, a speaker, and you're still paying less than you would for even just one pair of headphones from other companies. And even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants you to make sure that you'll feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options, and every purchase has a free and easy return guarantee. And best of all, Raycon's features are endless. Three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, awareness mode, crystal clear call quality, water and sweat resistant, hours of battery life. There's just no reason to not get in on this now. So if you're ready to buy something small with a big impact, go to buyraycon.com THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com THPN to score 15% off. Now, 
back to the episode. Yeah, just kind of, it was a good effort. You battled, but a shitty first period and some shoddy goaltending cost you this game. Uh, and you just got to regroup now for Dallas. Kale McCarr hopefully back for that one, fingers crossed. But now we lose Josh Manson, so once again, we won't play yeah. a game with the top four intact, it yeah. seems. And we'll see what's going on with Kale. He was put on injured reserve retroactively to being... Uh, yeah, Peter just tweeted out that it was to create a roster spot for yeah, Lars Eller. So, yeah, and I was to say that he can be reactivated off of IR at any point because of yeah. him being put on it retroactively. So there's not a ton to read into there, but it opens up an extra roster space, which they needed after getting Lars Eller. And hopefully Manson is okay because that that would be a massive loss. That'd be a backbreaker. Yeah, That'd be a backbreaker. That's one where if he is out for any extended period of time, if I am Sackick and McFarland, I you go into the defense market before you Farland. have to. You got you have to get a guy before yeah. that because we've just seen that this defense, for whatever reason, pissed off one of the wrong gods and is just getting injured up and down. Yeah, I mean we had gone too long without an injury if we're being honest, so it had to happen. But we'll wait and see. But do you have any other thoughts on that Devils game other than like, yeah, I mean, it was just one of those games where I, it, just, it, it felt happens. Like, it felt like a game that that was drunk. And when you're <laughs> drunk, you don't have a lot of thoughts. And I feel like those are my thoughts on this game. There's yeah. so many of them that I have none. Yeah, I, I really would love to nitpick the game, but it's pretty clear cut. You turn the puck over in your own zone to a highly skilled team with a third string goalie in. Yeah, that shit's going to fucking happen. Yeah. Um, so Sucks, but if you would have told us three weeks ago that out of this brutal stretch, the Avs win six of seven and their only loss would be to the Devils on home ice, you would have taken that 10 out of 10 times. Yeah, without question. You've taken care of business against the teams you need to take care of business against, like the Vegas Golden Knights, who coming into that game against the Avs were leading the West, and the Avs played close to their best hockey of the season. They shut out Vegas three to nothing. Miko Rantanen 14 seconds in with the game winning goal and the Avs. this we've said it against Winnipeg and we said it against Calgary. This looked like the team from last season, just completely shutting the door. Completely shutting the door and Vegas actually in that first 10 minutes, if it wasn't for Georgiev, it could have been like a little bit different of a game, but Georgiev was great. Rantanen scores his, was that his 40th or did he score it later in that game? That was his 39th and he scored 40 in the second. Yeah, he scored 40 in the second. I mean, that was just a great play by Miko Rantanen, who's just made great plays all year long. Um, very funny because that happens probably like once every like month and a half in the NHL. And I feel like the Avs never get those breaks, but they finally got one. Um, great play. Avs go up one nothing early. And then, like you said, the rest of the game, the Avs were just really fucking good. It was the return of Jack Johnson in this game. And I can't remember, I think it was like his first or second shift in the first period. He broke out of the defensive zone, turned the puck over, made a good defensive play, turned the puck over again, and then got the puck out finally. We got the full Jack Johnson experience in that, in that one shift. Yeah, it was it was good to see Jack back on the ice again. And people love him. Every time Jack yeah. Johnson's on the ice, he got to cheer the first time he touched the puck. And you could tell the guys were really happy to have him back. Oh, yeah. I mean, like one of the things that really struck me was like that goodbye post from Max Domi, who's been his teammate for like seven months talking yeah. about like, I'm going to miss you all the memories we made in this short period of time. If that does not tell you the kind of person that Jack Johnson is, where you have like a guy who's known him for not even a year, giving him like this paragraph long goodbye post I don't know what to tell you like that, that, that alone makes that trade worth it just for Dude. how much they love him, how much everybody loves yeah. Jack Johnson. Dude, I saw a TikTok and I forgot to send it to you. It was like a world junior championships game and like a shootout. And Jack Johnson was taking fucking shootout attempts for the USA and he scored on it. It was fucking awesome. I was like, is that the same fucking Jack Johnson, bro? Like he scored it on Carey Price. I was like, is this real? Like I, I should have sent it to you, but um, yeah, I mean, Jack Johnson, like we talked about, he, he knows the system, the team loves him. Everyone loves him. And he's been, he's been solid his first two games with the abs. Like he hasn't done anything where you're like fucking Jack Johnson, man. Um, so 
I still think the plan is to have him be the seventh defenseman if everyone's healthy, but God knows that's not going to happen. So you can trust him out there. Uh, and yeah, he's just, he's just Jack Johnson, man. <laughs> yeah. That's the simplest way to put it. He's Jack Johnson. He's not going to be anything else. And the team loves him. He's playing big minutes on this team right now and they trust him and that's fine. So you get out of the first period, the, the Knights had a pretty decent stretch for about the next 10 minutes after that race oh, yeah. goal. But like you said, Georgiev holds the abs in it, keeps them off the board. And then the abs start to turn on the pressure. Like this was a really good game. I know Vegas didn't score any goals, but they, they played really solid hockey yeah. in this game. It gets to a point where there's a four on three for the abs. And I thought Vegas did a fantastic job on the penalty kill, but the pressure that the abs put on really did change the game at that point And eventually leads to a second Miko Ranston goal Right after I said this already feels like next goal wins territory. And that, even though it was only 2 nothing, really did kind of feel like, damn, the Avs kind of put this one away. Oh, yeah. That second goal was huge. And Miko Ranton gets to 40 goals, smashes his career high with, what, 25 games left. He, he he's, should hit 50 unless something bad happens. Um, and he, Miko Ranton just continues to be fucking awesome. That pass by JT Comfer in to set up that goal was disgusting. Um, and yeah, it's two, nothing. You're feeling real good. And then Nathan McKinnon gets the empty net goal at the end of the game to make it three, nothing McKinnon's scoring at an unreal clip right now. He's going to continue to do that hopefully for the rest of the year. And like you said, at the start of this breakdown of this game, this was probably one of the abs best game of the year. Yeah. Defensively, at least this is the cleanest they've looked all across the board. You had Georgiev saving them when things went wrong, but like, it should not be overlooked the game that Josh Manson had, that Devon Tays had. Like Devon Tays, this is classic Devon Tays, the best version of Devon Tays that we saw in the playoffs and throughout the regular season last year, making several disruptive plays in the defensive zone, creating great breakout passes. Like that's the Devon Tays that I've called the safety blanket for the last two years where he just does everything right. He hasn't been exactly the same this year, still has been very good, but I'd easily chalk this up to this was probably his best game. It was his best game, and that was just where he followed up with kind of a stinker tonight against the Devils. Um, but he's he's human. He's going to make mistakes. It's yeah, just we've gotten so used to him not making mistakes. <laughs> so it's, I, it's was, very weird when he does. There was that play against Vegas. Like he is just chasing Jack Eichel down in the offensive zone and just on his ass all the time. It's just that is such a great play that we've come pretty accustomed to with Devontae's and Josh Manson. Again, he has just been so good ever since he came back. So I really hope he's okay and keeps playing because his physicality just adds such a different dimension to this team that is so frustrating for other teams to deal with. He's so good at breaking up passes in the neutral zone and the defensive zone that pushes them out of, pushes them right out. And another guy I really think had a great game was, was Evan Rodriguez, who has been held off the board a little bit over the last several games, but he's, he showed a lot of life against Vegas it's only a matter of time before he gets back on the board again. It's only a matter of time. And I mean, he almost scored tonight against the Devils. If he almost beat, uh, I forget the goalie for the Devils, uh, who came in in the third. Um, what'd you say? Schmied. Schmied? Yeah. That is a fucking name and a half, man. Um, he almost beat him seven hole. He, he's had some chances. Uh, you know, it's coming for him. And he was good against Vegas. I mean, the whole team was good against Vegas. And. It was it, it. It didn't really feel like an easy win, but it almost at the end of it, you were kind of like, once they scored the second, you're like, if they can just lock it down for another five minutes, they'll be fine. Yeah, and like I'm just trying to think of anything that like they could have done better in this game. Like I'm legitimately drawing a blank on any sort of dud that the Abs would have put up in this game. If you're hearing crashing right now, that is Daisy who has decided to wake up. Oh, we're that. fully a dog episode. I don't know if you heard in like the first five minutes of the show, Edgy stepped on one of her squeaky toys. So we we do have, uh, even though we make this much money during our episodes, we both are still recording in our uh, in our respective family rooms. So <laughs> there are dogs at play here. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. There were no duds in this game. Everything was great for the Avs. I thought Sam Gerrard had a great game. Um, Sam Gerrard's playing probably his best hockey of the year, very quietly. 
Um, yeah. And that's good for us because we need Sam Gerard to be good. Yeah. So, and at any time you point out like, hey, Sam Gerard's looked really good. You scroll down enough, you will see a comment that says no, oh, he doesn't. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So I've, I've seen it six times today. Yeah. It, it's it's one of those things. I wore a Gerard jersey tonight, and that's where I knew we should have lost. No, I take that back. We lost tonight because with like seven minutes left in the game, Abs fans decided to start doing the fucking wave. And, and when will we learn, people? It is when? not a good omen to start the wave. Like, I, I don't know. Like, do I need – maybe that's our next shirt we make is just say don't do the wave. I like, like the wave equals bad who've, luck. Who've, who've done that shirt before, but we can definitely find a way to do something like right. that. Right. And like, also, you know, like – when has it worked? When has the wave been done in a game that you're not like winning by five and they win the game? I'd yeah. like anyone to point out to me where they have won those games in the past. Every single, every single time in a close game, someone decides to do the wave, they lose. And it happens every time. And we never learn and everybody hates it. This is not like, oh, you hate fun. Like, no, I like winning. I like winning more than the wave. And the wave is just bad omen it's yeah, a there's no i and leave it in there's base. no i am wave but there is an i am win exactly so stop doing the fucking wave people like you we know we lost when that fucking happened um but overall man like you can't criticize how the abs been playing these past couple weeks um it sets up a very big game against the dallas stars on saturday the stars beat the coyotes tonight four to two the wild just keep winning games in overtime which is just they're annoying. so annoying. Yeah, it's annoying, but they're they're winning games. Um, so the Avs four points back at Dallas. If you can beat Dallas, you'll be two points back with two games in hand. Yes, two, game, two games in hand. Two games in hand right now, I believe. Yes. Does Dallas play on Friday or no? They have two days off as well. Dallas plays tonight on Thursday at Chicago, and they will. Oh, play so Dallas. they got three and four. Yeah, so they will play us on. Saturday. So okay. they have the second half of a back-to-back in Chicago tonight who does not have Patrick Kane or any of their players and they will play the Avs on Saturday at 1.30 for whatever weird reason I guess but it's going to be a very important game once again biggest game of the season for the Avalanche to this point and after this things are going to calm down a little bit for the team. You still have Seattle on the second half of the back-to-back on Sunday that game is going to be at home at least. But after that, you have San Jose, you have LA, Arizona, Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, Detroit, Chicago, Pittsburgh, two games against Arizona, Anaheim before you finish the month against Minnesota. And then after that, like it's really just two weeks until the playoffs. Right. So you get through this. If they can beat Dallas, which I, I think they can, we've kind of had Dallas's number this year. Um, if Kale McCarr plays, I think that makes a big difference, obviously. If Josh Manson plays, that makes a huge difference as well. Um, and I don't know about you. I've been watching the Stars games. Ottinger has not looked particularly great these past couple of games. Um, so he may not be at his best. I think the Avs are going to go in and win this game. I really do. I, I think with the way they've been playing, you put Georgiev in net, I think this could be a little bit more of a lopsided score than we're anticipating. I think the Avs could win this game like 5-1, 5-2. This feels like another Winnipeg coming up where the Avs, like, they, they've got a statement on the horizon, and which is scary considering the amount of statements they've made over the last little while. I don't think they're happy at all with how this Devils game went. They've got two days off to rest. You're going to have arrested Georgiev heading into the net. It is going to come down to health, unfortunately, because whether Kale McCarr plays or not, there really is not an answer and we just don't know the severity of Josh Manson right now. It could just be like, I'm sore right now, or it could be he's out for the season. Like we, we genuinely have no idea where that's going at this point, but even still, I think the Avs are going to put up a great performance and Ottinger has been, he's been okay. His last several games, he's had his, he's been very up and down. He posted a seven, six, two against the Canucks the other day, right after posting a nine fifty three against Vegas he still has a 923 on the season the abs have to take him seriously but Dallas is on a bit of a downturn right now they just drag games to overtime though like they just they find do. a way to drag games to overtime and losing them 
I don't think it gets to overtime. I, I think the abs are going to take care of business and probably a, a good five, two win. I feel like I just love saying that score five, two. Yeah. I feel like that's just I, all the scores. Five. Yeah, two. I think it's going to be a little more lopsided than we're anticipating. I think the abs are going to come out pissed off. You're going to have a highly motivated team and they're going to kick the shit out of the kick the shit out of the stars. I, th- I, th- I think they're going to go in there early and probably be up three, nothing. Yeah, I agree. So both in agreement on that. And then we have the Sunday back-to-back where again, the team will be rested going into um, Denver, which is just, you just love to see it. Um, it's great. And uh, against Kraken late game. So you'll get a little bit added time rest, but Kraken are, Meh, since the All Star break, like yeah, they're kind of meh. I mean, who fine. knows what that team's gonna look like after Friday? Because I've heard more Morgan Geeky's available in trades. Um, it's weird because I've heard more Seattle players are available more than they're gonna be. Right, the but depth. that's the smart thing to do because this team's not capable of winning a cup. Yeah. Like you're ahead of schedule right now. Don't throw everything in when you're not there yet. Yeah. So that makes sense. So who knows? This Kraken team could be a little bit more depleted than we're thinking. Um. It was a great game last time these two teams played. Um, I think the Avs at home, they want to get that sour taste out of their mouth uh, from what the Kraken did to them last time they played in Denver. Uh, I think the Avs win this game. I think it's like 4-3 overtime. That's going to be my prediction. I agree with that. I think this game is probably going to end up going past regulation. I think the Avs are going to get the win. I mean, Seattle, they're a very deep and motivated team that you obviously have to take seriously. Right. It's going to be a tough game. I mean, if it's Grubauer playing, we know that he saves his best performances for the Avs most of the time. I I I think I like 4 to 3. I think the Avs get a win in overtime and they get 4 to 4 on the back-to-back. Agreed. I I mean, they seem to be the kings of back-to-backs, so we'll take it. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall the Avs playing some of the best hockey of the year. They're only going to get better. Trade deadline's coming up on Friday. I imagine that we'll probably have to do an emergency episode in these next two days. I just imagine we will. I imagine. Um, so. I mean, I imagine Friday at the very least we will. Yeah. I'm so pissed this trade happened today. Didn't, yeah. did we not absolutely call this happening? Right. That it'd be like, if there's any day that the avalanche would make a trade, it's Wednesday because one, that's the, the day where I get home the latest Two, they play on that day late and three we already record that day so we can't milk the extra downloads correct correct so i imagine we'll be talking to y'all before the week's end um but i don't think i have anything else man i mean there's a lot to talk about with the trade yeah. if we really want to go into detail on everything that's happened over the last little while i mean we could go on for maybe three more hours but oh, yeah. short long story short east good west trying (laughs) yeah they're trying they are a conference and one team from the west will be in the stanley cup final versus only one team in the east which almost feels like a shit it's so dumb that one of the rangers and devils is going to be out in the first round along with the leafs and the lightning like not to be fair the playoff system changing would have the exact same matchups right now i think but it's just speaking to how good the east is yeah the East is fucking awesome. So um, we'll see. It's going to be a fun end of the regular season. We're already into March. So that's crazy to think about. Yeah. I mean, the trade deadline by the time you're listening to this is tomorrow. I mean, yeah. I, I told you guys it's going to come up fast. And here we are already. And my God, what a deadline it has been. So I don't think the abs are done. I don't think they're going to knock our socks off or anything. We're, we're just going to come on here and be like, holy shit, the abs. They did it. They got the big P. I think they're going to probably look into filling out the bottom of their defense. Maybe, I don't know. I, I really don't think they're going to do a whole lot. I think Lars Eller f- fits the need that they had internally with fixing that penalty kill and adding to their bottom six center depth. They could go through the deadline, not making a move. And I think they will be fine. Like I really, I like their chances against pretty much any West team, as long as they're healthy, even though the Oilers got Mateus Ekholm, the Avs cooked him against Nashville in the playoffs last year. Like, he does not scare me one bit. I also saw that, like, well, Ekholm immediately becomes the Oilers' best defenseman, which makes this a win. I'm like, that is not the compliment you think it is. Where, one, that's really bad if Ekholm immediately becomes your number one guy. 
And like, I like Ekholm. I think he's right. good, but he should not be your number one. No, he shouldn't be. But we'll have to wait and see. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll wait and see. But uh, honestly, uh, the Avs playing some good hockey right now. Um, I'm having to stall because Griffin screen froze. So you're getting really big, uh, I, really big behind the scenes. Oh, you're back now. I didn't know if I froze. I thought you froze for a second. No, nope, no. Nope. Oh God, this is just great podcasting for us to end the show. Maybe this is a sign for us to to wrap it up. But uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens for the rest of this trade deadline. The Oilers make the biggest move, and that's get Matias at home, which honestly I don't think that's that great. And you see what the return was from Chikrin, and you go, maybe Chikrin would have been the better option. Um, but we'll have to see. Oh, that's why Schmaltz got hurt. He took a puck to the face. He would fit in so well here, man. Yeah. Okay, so it's maybe not that bad. So, yeah, we'll see where all that goes. I mean, I doubt Nick Schmaltz gets moved before the deadline. I'm lying. I'm manifesting this because I'm <laughs> I'm wrong on everything right now. I don't think Schmaltz gets moved. I don't think he comes to the abs. Please, please come here. <laughs> but we're going to wrap this one up here. The abs, they get the win 3-0 over the Vegas Golden Knights. They lose 7-5 to the New Jersey Devils in a game that I don't think we will really ever talk about ever again. Also worth mentioning, Miko Renton, the fastest avalanche to hit 40 goals since the franchise relocated, which I forgot to bring up because, of course, I did. But fun episode all around. We'll probably be back before Sunday if the Avs make a significant move. If they if they do end up blowing our socks off, we'll be back for an emergency pod talking about whatever happens before the deadline. I'm sure there's plenty more crazy stuff that's going to happen over the next 48 hours before the deadline comes and goes. But again... Thank you all so very much for tuning in. You can use promo code TELADAPS it is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay, and you can follow the show at TELADAPSITIS. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go abs.